few minutes here. I'm going to, uh, I will cut some things out and we will get done with this message. But I think this is a wonderful challenge from Philippians, um, especially here on the first day of the new year. And we're going to talk a lot tonight in just for a few moments about the gospel. Um, and we hear that a lot. We talk about the gospel a lot and we use that terminology a lot. I want to talk to you quickly in the beginning about what the gospel is, but then I really want to talk to you about how it impacts our life. Now, I want you to look at Philippians chapter one. I want to talk to you tonight about a gospel conversation. Philippians chapter one, let's read verses one through six, and then we'll jump to verse number 27. The Bible says, Paul, I tell you what, why don't we stand this evening? I know you've been sitting for a while, and this will give you an opportunity to stretch your legs tonight. Philippians chapter one and verse number one, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now jump to verse number 27, please. Notice what Paul says here to the church at Philippi. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to be in your house tonight. What a great, great time it's been. We've already heard from heaven tonight. What a wonderful challenge from the book, from the, the word of God tonight. Uh, Lord, concerning worship, we thank you so much for Brother Waters and his faithfulness to preach the word to us tonight. Thank you for the great music that we've heard. And Lord, to see the vision of this church and to know that you're gonna do great and mighty things through them in 2023. We're excited about these things. As we close out this service for just a few moments, help us to focus on the main thing. And we believe that the main thing is the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins to pay our sin debt is the perfect substitute. He was buried, and three days later, God, you raised him from the dead, and he's alive today. Help us to unite our hearts around that good news. We thank you that we are alive tonight in Christ. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are justified. We are adopted into the family of God. We have a home in heaven tonight because of this good news. And we want to uh, take a few moments to focus on it. Help us, help our hearts to be receptive. And may you give me liberty to preach. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated, be seated tonight. Philippians 1.27, Paul says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. What did Paul mean when he encouraged the Corinthians to have a gospel conversation? I guess our immediate response to Philippians 1.27 is to maybe assume that Paul is encouraging the church at Philippi to be more vocal in their faith. When you're out in the community, have gospel conversations. When you're out in the community, tell them about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, we are called to do that. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
And in Luke 26, 46, uh, 24, 20, uh, 46 through 48, Jesus said that repentance and remissions of sin uh, should be preached in his name among all nations. And so that's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. We are called as believers to share our faith, to proclaim the good news of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. But is that what Paul means in Philippians 1.27 when he tells the Philippians to have a gospel conversation? And to be honest with you, the, the answer is no. You go and you study, and what we'll find is while we tend to associate the word conversation with um, the talk that we might have with another person, we would tend to associate the word conversation with a dialogue that we might have with somebody. That's not at all what it's referring to. The word uh, for conversation there literally means to behave. It means to conduct oneself as pledged to some law of life. And using that definition, we could paraphrase this verse by saying, only let your behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In this verse, Paul is not necessarily encouraging believers to go out and pass out tracts and knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. In fact, what he's telling them is that they need to have a lifestyle of behavior that is becoming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanna make a statement to you tonight and get this in your heart. It's one thing to believe the gospel, but it's another thing entirely to behave the gospel. And that's what I wanna challenge you in these two areas tonight. I wanna to talk to you in the first part of this message very briefly about believing the gospel. I have a feeling that most of the congregation tonight could say, Pastor Zach, I remember a time in my life when I believed the gospel and praise God for that. But then we're gonna take the last part of our message tonight to talk about behaving the gospel. Now it's important that we start, number one, with believing the gospel. Look back at verse number one in our text, if you would. Keep your Bibles open. We're gonna stay right in, in the text tonight. Notice in verse number one, he says, Paul and Timotheus, that's Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, note the next three words, to all, or the next four words, to all the saints. Notice that he calls these people saints. And we first of all recognize their purity. He calls them saints, which literally means a most holy one or someone who is pure. Now, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many people in this room tonight think that they could be classified as a saint. Now, wives, don't answer for your husband. We know what you would say about that. But Paul calls the church at Philippi saints. And it's interesting, when you research what other people believe about saints, the Catholic Church says that a saint is someone who has led a life of heroic virtue. This definition includes the four cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice, as well as the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. And they said, the Catholic Church says, a saint displays these qualities in a consistent and exceptional way. Most of us hear that definition and we immediately think, well, cross my name off the list, Zach. I am not one of those. I am not a saint. Because many of us feel like we could never classify ourselves as having heroic virtue. I mean, anybody in this room tonight still working on temperance. You know what temperance is? Self-control. I mean, come on, some of us should have stopped at one bowl of ice cream tonight and we went for two, all right? And so many of you could not be classified as saints merely uh, on your indulgence of ice cream during the ice cream social tonight. 
But I want you to listen to me very quickly tonight. The truth is when Paul refers to the church at Philippi as saints, he's not doing so because of their so-called heroic virtue. By the way, this is a church that is believed to have been one of the more exceptional churches mentioned in the New Testament. The Easton's Bible Dictionary called this group of believers the most attractive church of the apostolic age. C.I. Schofield said the theme of Philippians is Christian experience. Soundness of doctrine is assumed. There is nothing in the church to set right. Frank Thompson said that this church was ideal in many respects. But listen to me, and let's be very clear tonight. Paul refers to these people as most holy ones, not because of one single thing that they had done. This title had nothing to do with their character. It had nothing to do with their prudence. It had nothing to do with their uh, hope or their charity. We see that their purity is anchored in letter B, their position. Their position. Look at verse, look at verse number one, please, again. We're talking about the gospel here. To all the saints, look at the next three words, in Christ Jesus. You know why they were saints? Not because they had good church attendance, not because they got baptized, not because they helped their neighbor across the street, not because they joined a ministry, not because they were a good church. Listen to me. This was a group of most holy ones because they were in Christ Jesus. And you know what we believe? And I wanna declare this to you tonight. I'm talking about believing the gospel. What we believe is that at the very moment that we put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when we recognize I'm a sinner, I can do nothing to earn my salvation, but Jesus has done everything. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. At that moment, at that very moment when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, something amazing happened, and you were placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. You are now in Christ Jesus if you are saved tonight. And it had nothing to do with your church membership. It had nothing to do with your virtue. You are pure because of your position. You are in Christ. And we call that justification. You are justified before God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Paul said in Romans 3. Would you listen to this? Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, not behave, but that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen to it. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You're not saved through behavior, you're saved through belief. And if you're here tonight and you've never believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we wanna invite you to believe the gospel tonight, amen? Hey, listen, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't let another day pass. Behold, your life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Man, praise God for the testimony of 106 people that were saved at revival, but you don't have to get saved at revival and you don't have to get saved in a Sunday morning service. Listen, if you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit and he's drawing you to Christ, come to Jesus tonight and believe the gospel. 
Accept that wonderful position in Christ so that you can be forgiven of your sins. M.R. DeHaan said this, the message of grace is salvation by faith in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ. It is simply believing what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. It is not religion, not good works, reformation, education, culture, or ordinances. It is not ritual or ceremony, prayers or deeds or charity. Listen, it is coming as a poor lost sinner, bankrupt and helpless and trusting Christ to save you by his grace. Man would love to have just some little part in his own salvation, but God says, no, you will never be able to boast of your salvation for salvation is of the Lord, all of the Lord. Believe the gospel. Through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, through faith in his blood, we are made right with God. And I can stand before you today and I can say this, I am sanctified, I am in Christ. And I am being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe the gospel, but let me get to the second thing very quickly. Number two, behave the gospel. Behave the gospel. Look at verse number 27 of our text. Only let your conversation, and we already learned a moment ago that this is a word that is much deeper than a mere dialogue between two individuals. It is a word that deals with our behavior. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And here's what Paul is saying. Come on, don't miss this. Do for others what God has done for you. That's the message of Philippians 1.27. Do for others what God has done for you. You know what we believe about the gospel? The first thing we believe about the gospel is that we are saved by grace. Ephesians chapter two and verse number eight tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In other words, we could never earn God's favor. It is freely offered and it is freely, lead, uh, freely received. But listen to me, do you see what Paul is teaching us right here? Don't miss this. Paul is teaching us, you've been saved by grace. You believed in a gospel of grace. Guess what you're supposed to do now? Go out and behave the gospel. You've received grace from God. Guess what that means? Go out and be gracious to other people. Peter said, grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, let me just plow right close to the corn tonight, husbands and wives. But behave the gospel this week in your marriage. Hey, listen to me. Stop with the attitude that constantly keeps score. That constantly says, hey, if you'll do for me, I'll do for you. Aren't you thankful that God didn't come to, to us and say, if you'll do this, I'll save you. No, he said, I'll save you. It is a gift that is freely offered and freely received. Are we behaving the gospel of grace? Young people, treat your siblings with grace. But they don't deserve it, you say. Exactly. Grace is unmerited favor. Paul says, do to others what God has done to you. Behave the gospel. Friends, we believe in a gospel of grace. Hallelujah. We believe in a gospel of forgiveness. The Bible teaches that when we accepted the free gift of salvation, we were forgiven. Didn't they sing that just a moment? A moment ago, a little bit ago, those are the greatest words. You are forgiven. Man, praise God. Colossians 1.14 says, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Does anybody in here remember who you used to be before you got saved? Aren't you glad today that God doesn't hold those sins over you? 
Aren't you glad today that the the Lord doesn't go grab those skeletons out of the closet and say, hey, don't you remember who you used to be? No. Hey, listen, I'm glad to tell you tonight that you, in Christ, you stand before God completely forgiven, dressed in the robes of righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word forgiveness literally means to deliver, to release from bondage. This means that, listen to this, that while God will discipline his children in love, he will never judge us in wrath. Why? because our debt has been completely paid. Our record has been completely cleared. You and I can stand and say tonight, through faith in Jesus, we have been forgiven. And we say amen to that and we should. But in that context, would you listen to Ephesians 4.32? And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Oh, I believe the gospel. Pastor, I believe that Jesus, uh, through his blood, has forgiven me of every sin. He holds nothing against me. I've been completely released from that bondage. But you know what? Many of us are holding people bondage, holding people hostage because of something they did to us. And you know what Paul is saying? Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe in a gospel of grace. Give grace. We believe in a gospel of forgiveness. Be a forgiving person. Are you holding on to something today? Has someone wronged you and you're holding on to it? Behave the gospel. Release them from bondage today. Why? Because you've been released. And that's what I'm trying to communicate this evening. We who have believed the gospel have a responsibility to behave the gospel. Hey, we believe in a gospel of love. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you think about that for just a moment? While we were yet sinners, Colossians calls us the enemies of God through our wicked works. The reality is we deserved condemnation. We were the enemies of God, but the love of God is not a love that is reciprocated because of love. It is love in spite of hate. Are y'all listening to me tonight? The love of God in the gospel is love in spite of rebellion. The love of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ is love in spite of opposition. And this is why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. And I wrote this in my notes. Would you listen to me? We're just about done. There may be no better way to communicate the truth of the gospel than to love somebody who hates you. How many of you believe, we believe that the Bible teaches a, a gospel of grace? Raise your hand, all right? Keep your hand up if you believe that we believe in a gospel of forgiveness. How about a gospel of love, amen? Are you, are, you can put your hands down. Are those virtues coming through in your life? We believe in a gospel of peace. Ephesians 2, 13 through 14 says, now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ for he is our peace who hath made both one. Could it be said that we're ones who are bringing about peace within the relationships in the church or are we causing division? Friends, I wanna challenge you to believe the gospel but behave the gospel. Number, letter B, not only do we see, first of all, we see their conversation. Number two, we see their choice. Look at verse 27 again, please, and I'm just about done. Notice the second word of our verse, only let that's a small word, 
but I think it preaches a powerful message. Our, con- our conversation is a choice. When we let something happen, we are willingly allowing it to happen in our life. And you know what that tells me? That the choice is ours to make. Listen to me, can I be bold for a second? I didn't preach my mean messages yet, so let me, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The truth is, listen to me, church family, we don't have grace because we choose to favor those who earn it. The truth is we don't forgive because we make the choice to hold tightly to the hurt. The truth is we don't offer love because we choose to love those who love us back. The truth is we make the choice to remain divided because of bitterness that has consumed our hearts. And this message tonight from Philippians 1.27 brings us to a crossroads of decision. The power lies within you today. God will never force you to do any of what I'm talking about tonight against your will. So the question is, will you choose to behave the gospel? The last thing I want you to notice is their chance. And this is where it really comes, hits home tonight. Look at verse number 27. Look at this, this is so powerful. Only let your conversation be, notice this, as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I wanna give you something right here. The word becometh means to be appropriate. It's the idea that you would expect it to be there. The great illustration is, as we drive up Indian Hill Road tonight, we would expect people to have Christmas lights hanging from their homes. Why? Because it's the Christmas season. But you know, there are times when you drive by in July and you're like, hey, those people still have their Christmas lights out and it's July. We recognize in the Christmas season, it's appropriate. Another word for becoming is decorous. And what he's saying is this, get this. When the world looks at us as believers, This is what they should expect to see. This is how they should expect our life to be decorated. They should look at us, people who say we believe the gospel, and they ought to look at our life and see people who are not divided, who are not uh, holding on to bitterness, but they ought to look at our life and see people who are extending grace and extending forgiveness and extending love and extending peace. And I want to tell you this, this is my last point tonight. Our greatest chance to share the gospel with others is as we daily choose to have a communication that aligns with what our gospel declares. When you go to work this week, behave the gospel. Oh, we get in here on Sunday and and praise God. By the way, let me be very clear, we should. Brother Brother Waters and his family, man, they did a great job singing tonight about the forgiveness and we ought to say amen and lift our hand and worship God and praise God for the gospel. We believe it, but are we behaving it? Would you listen to these words of this song? I want my life to be a light for those around me. I want my life to be a roadmap that says hope. I want my life to be a beacon on life's raging sea. I want the world to see Jesus when they look at me. And when the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? And when the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? 
Do they see love? Do they see Christ in me? When the world looks at me, what do they see? It's one thing to believe the gospel. Have you made that choice tonight? If not, come and believe the gospel tonight. But if not, if you have trusted the gospel, I wanna encourage you to behave the gospel. Do you need to have more grace? Do you need to offer forgiveness to somebody tonight? Do you need to extend love or make peace with somebody today? It's your choice. And that choice could be your greatest chance to share the gospel with someone today. Would you bow your heads? A gospel conversation. You know, really on January 1, and hey, listen, we're getting to the end of the service here. But you know what we really ought to have? And I'm not trying to provoke you, so don't come because I'm telling you to come. You come if God wants you to come. But what we really ought to have is a church full of people who crowd this altar tonight and say, God, we thank you for the gospel. (laughs) Oh, God, we thank you that we are forgiven. I thank you, Lord, that you don't hold my past against me. I thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me. You've wiped my slate clean. You've given me the righteousness of Jesus, and I have been completely forgiven. God, we thank you that we believe in a gospel of grace. I did nothing to earn my salvation, and I could never do anything to earn it. We believe in a gospel of love. Thank you, God, for your love. We believe in a gospel of forgiveness and peace. But you know what? We ought to have some people who get on this altar tonight and say, Lord, I believe the gospel, but I have not been behaving the gospel. And in 2021, uh, in 2023, in 2023, by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, I'm not only gonna believe the gospel, I'm gonna behave it. Oh God, I pray over this congregation tonight. I don't know all the needs, but Lord, I do know how I am. And Lord, I believe the gospel, but I don't always behave it. Lord, would you please fill me with your spirit so that I can offer the same forgiveness that others have or that that you have to others. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be able to recognize the truth of the gospel that I've been given grace and that I would give grace to others. I pray that I would recognize the truth of the gospel of your love and that I would share your love with others. But I pray that you'd help me to not be a person who divides, but a person who unites. Help this church, I pray. Help them to believe and behave the gospel in 2023. And we pray in Jesus' name, Dad. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet tonight, if you would. Wow, we've heard some, we've heard some great, great preaching tonight. Hey, church, this is it. It's 8.46. Some folks are already in the altars. My wife and I went to the altar tonight just to sort of dedicate our home to the Lord afresh and anew for 2023. Can we do this tonight before we leave? If God's speaking to your heart, the Holy Spirit's dealing with somebody tonight, tonight, right before you slip out and head to the house tonight, Can I just encourage you maybe to make your way to the altar and just dedicate your life to Christ for 2023. Your marriage, your home, your family. Dedicate yourself as parents. Dedicate yourself in the ministry, whatever ministry you're involved in. And maybe tonight just come and say, Lord, would you anoint us and would you direct us and would you keep us from stumbling this year? 
God, help us to live the gospel. Help us to behave the gospel. And God, use us to make a difference in 2023. Amen. Yes, yes. Amen. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven in 2023. If this might be the year of the Lord, if this was it, I mean, if the trumpet sounded, Jesus returned, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Okay. Hey, let's change that tonight. Why don't you step out? Why don't you step out right now and let us take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come? Would you come this evening? Can we pray with you? Preacher, I am here tonight, but I'm not where I need to be. There is some bitterness in my heart, unforgiveness in my heart. Some things happened in 2022 and it just left me a little calloused and indifferent. And I haven't really got that. I really haven't got that resolved. Okay, hey, I got a, I got a good idea. Let's go into 2023 clear. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Would you come tonight? It could, it could be. There's some here this evening that, that need to come and claim that forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you've messed up this year. Boy, thank God he's a God of forgiveness. And he'll forgive you and he'll restore you. He'll use you again. Father, thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for what you've done all day. Wow. What a day. What a great day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for using us. Thank you for meeting with us today. God, I don't know what's in the hearts and lives of these that are in the altars tonight, but Lord, I know you know. Father, I pray that 2023 will be the, the greatest year of our worship. God, I pray that we'll worship you seven days a week. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to Help us to live the gospel. God, please touch our church tonight. God, help us to, to start out well in 2023, but I pray we'd finish well. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that this church would be well-pleasing to Thee. Have your way in this invitation, Lord, please. And we thank you in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed just for a moment. Folks are still being, getting some help here in the altars tonight.